Trey, are you there? There he is. There we go. How you doing, man? Jake, I'm doing great. Just got done playing some pickup basketball here in Boston, uh, ready to talk some NBA basketball. So, you know, when people say ball is life, sometimes it's true. Listen, man, I just got a text message from, if you want to talk about uh, inside information, I just got a text message from someone who played pickup with you. So I know your location. I know where you played. Uh, yeah, I think uh, your buddy Sebastian, I'm, I'm guessing, <laughs> he told me you're legit homies who go way back. Uh, did he tell you that he scored the last five points of the first game he played with me today? Got us the Did W. Really? It was really, really clutch for sure. Sebas, as affectionately known, um, is uh, it's one of those guys who, who just gets hot, man. Sometimes you either live with it or die with it. And if you're on his team, you're hoping you're you're hoping you're on his team when you're living with it. Uh, we were living with it, and we were loving it. And you're exactly right. He caught fire. As he let go of the game-winning she go- he shot, he goes, got it. And it was all yes. net, all net on a windy day. So you know the shot's pure. I, uh, I haven't played outside in the longest time because I have, like, maybe this is some TMI for our listeners, but I have – I'm a glaucoma suspect, so I have to wear sunglasses pretty much whenever I'm in sunlight. And that's not the move. I don't want to be the guy in the New York City park – Wearing shades like that's not that's not me. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a move usually reserved for the Antoine cars of the world. But I will say Lee was out here playing today. He was wearing his mirrored shades, so to each their own. But I'm with you. Uh, playing in glasses is a tough tough move. But I don't know. I'm not an often playing outside kind of guy. But with a day like this, you got to get it in. So when you travel for work. Like, are you looking to find pickup? Is that, like, food, coffee spots, pickup? Like, is that, like, in your top tier of, of uh, things you're on the hunt for? Anytime I get a chance to play in a in a different city, I think it's really, really fun. So all credit yeah. goes to Lee for putting together this run. Uh, he got in touch with a few different people locally who knew where a few courts were. He put out the call. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – Anytime you get to run with a different group of people, I think is really fun. And, you know, see the different kind of courts you got out here. The one we're at right now is, like, incredibly nice. It feels like we're playing uh, on a tennis court. So they got actual mesh. They had glass backboards. We were walking up like, this is a fancy spot we're playing at today. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually just texting a buddy who works in the NBA comms department who moved to London. And I was telling him that this court, for anyone who's – Going to London anytime soon or lives in London who wants to play pickup outside. Ravens Court Park has just like the biggest melting pot of pickup I've ever seen in my entire life where like I was playing with like Hungarian expats and like Chinese kids literally fresh off the boat who just came from college or like local Londoners, people from South Africa, Australians. It was awesome. So, you know, the, the language of basketball is global, as they say. Exactly right. You'll meet all kinds of people on a basketball court. It's a great place uh, to share a common interest and, you know, get your competitive juices going. It's, uh, it's really, really fun. All right. We've killed enough time where uh, I think we've got you know, a pretty solid amount of listeners here. I hope more will come through as we continue. Um, but you're in Boston, obviously, because you're, you're there for the NBA Finals. I was there for Game 3. Um, 
got into it with Draymond Green post game, as many people listening probably know. Um, and my first thing I wanted to ask you about Trey, because to me, like it was pretty clear in the moment, but then like he made it obvious in his show after Game Three that he thought I was coming at him and it was like an attack and it was like literally the opposite. Like I think what he's doing is awesome and I think it's so awesome that it is something that if I was a Celtics coach, I would certainly be listening to. And I do know that multiple people on the Celtics coaching staff are listening to it. I don't, there have, they have not been assigned to try to mine his show for Intel and, you know, adjustments and what have you, but he is saying something of relevance. Um, would you agree that this is like a borderline unprecedented thing first? And second, if you were a Boston Celtics coach or executive or whoever, would you listen to it too? Well, okay. First of all, I'm going to hit your second point. If I was a Boston Celtics coach or an assistant or somehow involved, 100% I would be listening to it, you know? Say it's a half-hour podcast. You throw it on on 1.5 speed. You're done in 20 minutes. It's like you got to do your due diligence just to see if he reveals any sort of nugget of information or, or anything you could possibly glean. This is the NBA Finals. Everybody's looking for an edge. So, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts to begin with. So, yeah, put that in the flow for <laughs> sure. As for being unprecedented, it's got to be. You know, a lot of people have been uh, mentioning – Michael Jordan going and gambling during the NBA Finals, or Dennis Rodman taking a break to go out and join the NWO Wolfpack during the NBA Finals, then come back and play some games. The difference is they're not commenting on basketball when they're out doing that. You know, they aren't potentially revealing information. And it's also just it's just very strange, the, the meta dance of it, right, where it's like Draymond plays in the game, then he goes and talks about the game. Then he talks about talking about the game, which then leads to questions about is him talking about talking about the game interfering with how he's playing the game? It's very strange to see the <laughs> flywheel that the access that Draymond is giving us has, you know, has, has presented because other players have had podcasts. Other players have huge social media presences, but it doesn't feel like, I don't know, it almost feels like an after show to the NBA Finals, the way Game of Thrones or... Breaking Bad would break down the episode afterwards. It's almost become part of the game, just hearing what Draymond has to say about the game we just watched. And as I, as I wrote in my article about it yesterday, like, I think part of it, I mean, maybe all of it, is because he is Draymond Green, because he is so charismatic and he is so thoughtful about basketball to the nth, nth, nth degree that as he has reminded all of us, but as I will happily accept, like we will never know as much about basketball as Draymond does. Um, to the point about like it being potentially like a distraction or what, have, or what have you, like I think that's ridiculous. Like he's, if anything, I think it's probably helping because he's further meditating on what he needs to do, what the team needs to do, what they've seen from Boston. And I didn't ask him the question like from like a do you think you're saying too much perspective all I all I wanted to know was are you aware of the fact that Boston could be listening or that they are listening because that's that's something right like you, I mean as a podcaster you're talking to an audience so I was just wondering if he was at least thinking about the fact that part of that audience could be Celtic staffers you know 
Yeah, and I mean, as he mentioned, his podcast numbers seem to be doing pretty well. So if you've got that wide of an audience, surely somebody in the the Boston area is going to be interested in what you have to say. As for it being a distraction, I think it's only becoming a distraction because Draymond is letting it be a little bit, you know, by by having perhaps antagonistic answers to your questions and just continuing to further the conversation because what he's doing is the conversation. People do want to hear him talk, especially after games where he comes out on the losing end. I think that those are probably the most interesting games. You know, Draymond has not has been a distraction at other points in his career, having things to do absolutely nothing with podcasting. There's always something you can point to with Draymond that maybe (laughs) are a little outside the realms of just basketball, right? Where it's like, even just his antics on the court sometimes in game two or when, you know, feuding with Kevin Durant on the sideline. Times like these where it's just like you are the, – the extracurriculars of the game sometimes overshadow what he's doing on the court. And that's kind of always been the case with Draymond. Right now it's just it's just the podcasting is the latest thing. And we've seen it time and time again in the NBA when you're, when you're not getting the win necessarily. People are going to – to use what they can to, to make it a distraction, and he is definitely feeding into it at times. It's definitely a big talking point, and I think it will continue to be a big talking point, which to pull up a bit behind the curtain, like that's why I wanted to write about it. Like I, I was trying to find a unique angle through uh, a storyline that I think is is at least just interesting enough. I don't think it's a whole, you know – Isaiah Thomas on NBA TV saying this is like, you know, making him play bad, all that type of stuff. But yeah, just the fact that, you know, a multi-time defensive player of the year is giving some type of added insight. Because he even said to me, like, he doesn't say anything on the podcast that he wouldn't say to us. But anything he says to us is prompted by our questions. Like, Mm -hmm. if I – if you were to – ask your partner and say, Hey, like anything you want to say to me right now. And she just like, or he just started talking to you. Like that's even the most open-ended broad question. Like if it, it's way different than them just talking off the cuff. And it's something that I'm fascinated by as a, as a fan and as a consumer of basketball media so i don't know i I, maybe we're we're now beating the topic further into the ground but um it's something i've enjoyed on the whole and uh i think got completely blown out of proportion but i was curious for your take as far more of a veteran podcaster than myself well i do think it's certainly newsworthy because it was newsworthy when draymond signed the deal uh with turner sports right to become an active player who is also an active commenter he's still doing media outside of playing despite the fact that he's still playing in the final so definitely a unique situation and you know he says he's not stopping win lose or draw so we're going to be getting more and more podcasting which means we're going to get more and more podcasting talk uh as a podcaster myself i'm sure you feel the same way jake more people are talking about podcasts more people are listening to the podcast and that's a good (laughs) thing for us yeah, I mean, do you have a, a switching gears slightly here? Do you have any thoughts on the idea of the quote-unquote new media? In that, like, it does seem like people are rallying behind the players who are entering the media space, 
Draymond coming at me, for example, JJ Redick and CJ McCollum going at Stephen A, going at, you know, Mad Dog Russo. Is that entertaining to you to like see players like not just being in the media space, but doing it in a very like combative kind of like let me put you in your place kind of way? Like, am I even reading that wrong? It seems like those are the videos that have kind of gone viral and been the most talked about of late. No doubt. I've seen more videos of J.J. Redick dunking on Bob Cozy than I've seen of J.J. Redick dunking in his NBA career since he's gone into media. Um, And look, it is entertaining, right? It is entertaining to to hear – whoever is talking on TV, make their point, and then to have the player who has done it quite recently or in Draymond or in CJ's case, doing it currently, Patrick Beverly as well, it's interesting to hear them give their perspective from doing it currently. It's even a different perspective from players who have been retired for 5, 10, 20 years. Um, It's enjoyable now. Is that going to continue to be the case if this is a a years-on-years-on-years sort of relationship between media talking head and current player. I don't know, but for now it's, it, it does feel like a change of pace and it feels like a little bit of a new era to be getting this insight from current players and to have them be confident in their voice and like ready to stick up from their point and be able to explain exactly what they're trying to get across. It's interesting. Uh, how long will it continue? How long will the talking heads uh, accept the pushback like that? I don't know, but for now it feels fresh to me. Yeah. Um, all right, switching gears again. So we're at we're at game three now, um, or, or, or we're, we're three games in. We're at game four. Where does your thoughts on how this series is going to unfold from this point? Where do they stand compared to where you're you were entering the series? Because I um, I was asked to make an official prediction at Bleacher Report, which I never like to do, but I said, screw it, let's do it. I picked Celtics in six, and I specifically thought that it was going to go Boston takes game one, Warriors take game two, Boston defends home court in games three and four, Warriors take game five, Boston comes home to hang the 18th banner in TD Garden. And I thought so because, you know, I just really believed – I've said this, you know, anyone who's listened has probably heard me say this a couple of times now on this show. I remember it was the Sunday game they had the Mavericks at home that Boston actually lost. But I hadn't watched them for a bit, and I was finally tuned, tuning in, and I saw Robert Williams flying around out there, and I saw Tatum and Brown really, you know, stepping up to the plate on the defensive side of the ball and the synergy with everything offensively. I think it was like March 2nd or so. I just remember thinking to myself, holy shit, the Celtics are the best team in the league, aren't they? So I, I kind of thought that their length and their size um, and just their overall defensive tenacity was going to provide a lot of toughness for the Warriors, a lot of friction for the Warriors to get clean looks and have their beautiful game that we've seen. Um, they really, you know, obviously broke out in the third quarter of – Game two, but you know their offense has not been the high flying Warriors stuff that we've seen you know throughout a lot of uh, parts of this postseason. So, where were you, Trey, before we were you know we got the, the ball tipped, and now that we have Game Four tonight, um, what's kind of your expectations moving forward? I had pretty much the exact same thoughts as you. I thought the Celtics' cool. size and defense and length 
we're going to be a problem for the Warriors. We're going to make things a lot tougher. But on the flip side, I went with the softy pick, Jake. I picked Warriors in seven, which is like hmm. almost like taking a Celtics victory. But the thing I thought was going to be the differentiator in this series was I was a little concerned about Robert Williams' health. I think it, despite the fact that he looks super hobbled out there, He's had a great impact in most of these games, even if he's not he's been awesome. the Robert Williams we saw before his injuries, but still playing through injuries where it's like you feel like, is he going to be playing this game? Oh, he is? How's he going to look this game? He's doing great when he's out there. I think that's been huge for the Celtics, but I also really thought that the Warriors' experience was going to be a major factor. Uh, we've seen, you know, Clay has struggled through a lot of these playoffs. Draymond has struggled through a lot of these playoffs, but they've been able to pull out some wins in different ways that you, than you would expect. But I thought that that, you know, having been on this stage so many different times would give them an edge, would let them play with a little bit of poise. But watching through the series, it's been almost the exact opposite. I feel like the Celtics have been the much steadier team. Obviously, uh-huh. the third quarter has not gone their way at all, but they're playing a lot smarter basketball. They took really good care of the ball. In game three, I think only 12 turnovers. That was a concern coming in was that sometimes the Celtics get sloppy and they have had moments where that's been the case. But to me, this series feels like maybe the smartest they've played, maybe the most together and connected. And despite the fact that they've had lulls offensively, I feel like they've been super consistent. Maybe the Warriors can reach higher highs on like a moment to moment basis, just like with the explosiveness of Curry. But on a 40, over the course of 48 minutes, it feels to me like the Celtics are playing smarter, a little bit more physical, and like you mentioned, the length and the size is clearly a problem for the Warriors. So it seems to me the Celtics are in the driver's seat. We'll see how tonight goes. You know, the Celtics have lost a lot of home games so far in the playoffs. The Warriors always win on the road. This is a must-win for the Warriors and should be the most intense game we get in the series up to this point. But the Celtics did a great job responding in Game 3. They've been so resilient the entire year. They're in the driver's seat right now, and it would not be a surprise to me if the series plays out the way you're saying and they take this home in game six. I don't have the data to back this up, but at least anecdotally to me, it seemed like Tatum has not been able to really just come out firing. Like, we don't see him come out and score, like, eight of the team's first ten points very often, right? But Jalen's been – it seems like they've they've tried to ride him early, and then Tatum kind of comes on and he delivers the knockout punch. Um, that's been just interesting for me to notice being that, you know, obviously their fit and their success together has been something that everyone around the NBA was keeping a close eye on for a long, long time. It's been, it's been kind of fun to see them mix and match and take their spots. And, you know, one game Jalen does this and another game Tatum does that. It's been kind of cool to see that, that one, two punch and, that to me has also been the big difference um, in that like Golden, Golden State just hasn't had that secondary offensive guy behind Steph that they know like all right if we're in trouble here this guy can go get us a bucket. Clay came on on Wednesday night and every time he loaded up um, in the second half like I definitely was back to the old you know I I'm expecting every Clay shot to go in. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping from, uh, just a general wanting to see awesome basketball standpoint that we get more of clay firing at will and making at will, um, from, for tonight and, and moving forward. Am I over hyping that aspect of the series or does that kind of check out with what you've been seeing too? 
No, I think that's exactly right. I think if you're the Warriors, that's the best thing that came out of Game 3 is seeing Klay Thompson find his form again. Uh, but on, a, on the other hand, it's like the Warriors got basically 60 points combined from Curry and Thompson and still took a loss. That doesn't happen all that often. It's because they're not getting the contributions further down from Draymond in particular. Poole hasn't done that much as well. But, yeah, I mean, you got to hope that Clay's able to, to, to take that confidence from Game 3 into game four because this is going to be such an intense game. The, the intense, the, the physicality I imagine is going to be off the charts, you know, in Draymond's podcast, he mentioned that he's playing soft. He's taking it out on himself. That was the big change in game two was that the warriors were the aggressors. We saw Draymond, you know, tying up Al Horford on the very first play of the game. And you could just tell it was a different sort of defensive intensity. So if they're able to elevate their game on that end and really, you know, disrupt some of the Celtics, some of the Celtics' actions the way they have been, and Clay is able to continue what he showed us in Game 3, the Warriors certainly have a chance. But I think you're exactly right about Jalen and Jason as well. There was so much talk about them being broken up over the years. It was, they had the great moment after the conference finals celebrating, saying they said we couldn't play together. It feels like they found like the kind of perfect balance at the exact right time in the NBA Finals. Jalen is the starting pitcher. He comes in. He gives you uh, 15 points in the first quarter, 17, I think it was, in game three. He had nine quick ones at the right at the beginning of game two. And then, you're, like you're saying, the, the size and the just relentlessness of Tatum over the course of the game, he's become their closer. He can get to the line. He can get into the lane. I think he's had – sometimes he hasn't necessarily had a plan when he gets in the lane for scoring, which is why some of his percentages are down. But you still like the way he's able to just – body some of the smaller defenders the Warriors have so that's why you have two incredible wings who can both get some baskets off the dribble one of them isn't always going to have it going it's nice to be able to go to one of them at the beginning of the game and one at the end of the game as well it's really been fun to watch them to watch them grow together in this uh in the finals you look at the finals MVP odds I think uh Tatum is number one right now followed by Curry and Brown I don't know. Like, if the series ended today, it would be impossible to choose between Tatum and Brown, which one of those guys has been the best Celtic, because at times they've both been the best Celtic. It'd be cool to see a co-finals MVP. That would kind of be, be wild. A, I mean, it won't happen, but that'd be a cool coda to that whole uh, storyline about those two guys. Um, okay, so enough finals talk. I'm obviously trying to forecast and – figure out what type of things can occur in the off season here. Is there any player, any team, any like positional market that you are most interested in seeing all the outcomes of what could happen here between draft and free agency and all? And I've seen, it seems like there's going to be definitely a bevy of trades of coming here too. Well, I read a certain column this week, Jake, about Rudy Gobert perhaps being a target of the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Pretty interesting to me as a Bulls fan and also a sicko who's watching the 29 other teams. It's weird to see <laughs> of the Bulls. You know, the Bulls had a great first two-thirds of the season. At their, at their best, they look like one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And at their worst, they look like uh, a play-in team, if you're being generous. Clearly what they need is defense and rebounding. Clearly what Rudy Gobert brings is defense and rebounding. But also you know, devoting the past 15 years of my life to watching basketball and seeing how things have played out. 
it's hard to ignore Rudy Gobert's flaws because they become so obvious in the postseason. And those are the things that kind of stick with you. You know, obviously this era of the Jazz is coming to an end and Gobert is going to be a player who's in demand for other teams. But it's strange, you know, the Bulls missed the playoffs for five straight seasons. Meanwhile, the Jazz are a guaranteed playoff team. But still, it's like, do you want to take on a long Rudy Gobert contract? I think it's going to be interesting regardless to see where he goes. Is it Chicago? He would help. It would, he would make them a guaranteed playoff team next year, I think. But uh, it's, it's tough to see them becoming a championship contender building around Rudy Gobert because we've, we've seen a team like that so far. Yeah, the Bulls idea is pretty interesting because when I put it out, I saw – and I have now, after Raptors fans saw a quote from a podcast I did with Nate Duncan eight days ago, came out today uh, – I have since deleted my notifications tab on TweetDeck because <laughs> that was a shit show. But um, when I put out the Rudy <laughs> Vucevic stuff, um, it was interesting to see in my notifications that like Bulls fans thought that was too much and Jazz fans thought that was too much. Um, and, you know, Patrick Williams is a name that I think <laughs> – I mean, certain people are obsessed with. Other people think he's unproven and potentially could be just another guy who's a long athlete that doesn't uh, – And that people, I mean, this is all the public fan reactions I saw. Um, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical that Vucevic is, is a, like a target that the Jazz would want back for Rudy. Um, but also, I mean, I think the Jazz are really just casting a wide net right now. Um, to see what could come back because they're obviously at a crossroads here of their franchise. Um, and I think there's still a really good chance they keep her to go there. But Chicago, Toronto, and Atlanta are definitely the teams that I've heard have registered interest. It's just going to be a matter of figuring out um, exactly, you know, if one of those teams can find uh, a package that the Jazz would think is commensurate. Um, all right, we got our first call here from uh, a frequent caller, Charlie Saturday. Charlie, feel free to unmute yourself and uh, fire away. How you doing? Good, fellas. How's it going today? Hey, what's up, Charlie? Man? Good. So, Trey, you mentioned you're a sicko. I'm such a sicko. I was uh, a day one TBT fan because they used to come through Chicago in the summertime. So. I used to like watching those games up close and the Elam ending often gets mentioned as like one of the things to carry over um, to the NBA game potentially. But the cool thing about TBT is like, to me is they, they pick their own squads. Like it's all dudes who really know each other. Um, maybe grew up playing together. So hypothetical for you fellas, imagine the NBA becomes TBT style. You pick your own teams, all-star game style. Um, I'm curious how you think players would group themselves, like Jake, from some of your inside knowledge, which stars <laughs> you think would definitely be on the same teams and, you know, would, would dudes, would dudes flock together based on what college they went to, what area of the country, would the Balkan guys all be on a team? Just wanted to throw that your way. Always delivering, Charlie. Trey, you want to take that first? I think you hit on a lot of the big groupings that would that would take place. I mean, there's certainly going to be some teams where it's college guys getting together. I would think like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker are really close. So I could see them joining up 
on a team together. All of the Duke guys obviously talk about the brotherhood. You know, Kyrie's part of the brotherhood. He was there for like nine games, so maybe there would be a Duke squad. The Balkan <laughs> boys, they always get together uh, at international tournaments or like when they were in the bubble together. So I could see a team with, you know, a Vucevic and a Jokovic and a Jokic, perhaps. Um, and then certainly there will be like old AAU teams that you know, that played together in the past. Uh, so uh, that would definitely be interesting to see. Uh, I imagine that LeBron would somehow find a way to completely orchestrate it and get all of the hot young players on his team the way he does during the All-Star <laughs> game every single year. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see a TB3 kind of draft. So it's funny you, you asked us, Charlie, because I've been doing a lot of podcasts listening the last couple of days about this live super golf fiasco. Um, in the golf world, and I was, I've been having a thought exercise, just like an inner dialogue with myself about like, what would it look like if some super rich entity, forget all the politics and what have you, throw that out the door. Just think about what would happen if a super rich entity came into play and tried to poach NBA players and start their own league, and how would they be able to find success Doing. So your idea is probably the one that would make the most sense. Um, to the Elam ending thing, um, I mean, the NBA is definitely intrigued by it. And obviously they put it in the All-Star game. It's had, it's had benefits. Um, you know, obviously LeBron hit that game winner in Cleveland. It was such a big moment. Um, and I do believe that the G League, and, you know, a lot of these things get tested in the G League first, right? Um, so in showcase every year now, they're starting to have the, the, the start of the season tournament that seems to be kind of like a testing ground for this midseason or preseason or this, this tournament idea that Adam Silver is definitely looking to explore. I've been told that the G League showcase is probably going to adapt the Elam ending there to that tournament. So if that's the case... I would think that that is what the league is sort of sort of starting to brainstorm would be a function of this preseason tournament midseason thing, the David Stern Cup that we've kind of been talking about for the last couple of years. So I think that is at least like an interesting thing that could happen in the very near future to see the Elam ending in NBA basketball. But obviously that would be, like, on a team-by-team basis and not in your, like, PBT scenario. Interesting. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's the the one thing, the the last thing about TBT is, like, there's so much natural tension that comes from just playing for money, like, like win or go home, you know. So, like, I don't know if the G League could ever incorporate, like, because those guys barely make anything. And it's like, man, if there's some kind of a, hey, winner gets an extra, I don't know, 50K, like, I feel like those games would be really good, but. Well, that's what it was. The showcase this year, um, the winning team, I think each player got like a $10,000 share or something. They, they were def- It was the, if my memory serves correctly, it was the, the Delaware Bluecoats that won. And I was there in Vegas for it at the whole Mandalay Bay Convention Center. And they were pumped. Like, there was definitely a celebration on the court. People were getting hats and excited about their little extra cash <laughs> prize. That definitely was a thing. Hell yeah. I hope that keeps up. Appreciate it, dudes. Cool. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Um, all right. So anyone outside of Rudy Gobert or their team outside of the Bulls, Trey, 
before. Uh, I mean, I don't have too, too much that I got left in the docket here for you. Um, I think the Blazers, the Blazers are an interesting team this, uh, this off season, you know, they had the, they got the number seven pick lottery luck didn't go their way. Uh, And obviously Damian Lillard is still in the prime of his career. They're going to want to win now. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually use that seven pick or if they try and find a way to get, uh, get some help around Lillard and figure out what they're going to be doing with Nurkic because I don't know. Anthony Simons had a nice season last last year with uh, Lillard out, really seized his opportunity. But now you're running back another pretty small backcourt. So it's going to be interesting to see if we're just kind of in the latest phase of Dame and another small guard and how far can some scoring take you or if they're willing to build a team that's a little bit more balanced around them. So that's going to be an interesting team to see what they're doing because they got free agency questions, they've got star questions, and they got draft questions. All right. Um so this is the part of the show where I like to put my guests on the spot and say, you know, I've asked you a bunch of questions. Do you have any questions for me? You don't have to, but this is, this is the floor is yours. Jake, you've been, uh, you've been dropping a lot of scoops lately. So what's your screen time like these days? <laughs> um, the screen time definitely increases around these windows, um, you know, free agency, draft, trade deadline, um, but I try to have like literally as healthy a work-life balance as I can possibly do um, and like look away as much as I can. I'm not one of these people who tries to brag about being on their phone for 14 to 17 hours a day. Um, and I do like to like make my calls until I have enough of a story and then like write it up and then call it a day. So it's definitely like, I mean, my routine is pretty typical. Like, I make calls on Friday from like noon to six, and then on Monday from like ten to six, and in there I'm like writing, and then like the rest of the week, I work on some other little projects and calls and texts come and go. The screen times, honestly, like it's really if it's over six hours, I get freaked out and I get upset. So I try not to be too on my phone. Yeah, what about you? What's your screen time? Oh, I, I'm probably about the same. I'm pl- I'm pleased to hear that. It sounds like you've got this thing going, uh, going nicely. If if I was worried you were going to be in the double digits, and if you're in double digits, ah, uh, that's a that's tough. Uh, no, for me, I was... I'm, I'm averaging five hours right now, which I think, like you're saying, you know, this is a this is a time when you're going to be on your phone a lot <laughs> during the NBA season. So you know, I'm happy with the five. My family decided to go on a vacation because my sister had a work trip to Croatia and they were like, we're all going to Croatia. I said, yeah, I cannot go to Croatia on June 10th. (laughs) That is not doable for me. But um, I mean, like I will definitely, I'll be in the car this weekend. So I'll make some calls there, but like, I don't know. Once I'm done the work day, I try to like go to dinner with my girlfriend and like see friends. It's definitely something I try to be very healthy about. Um, cause also you can go crazy and like overthink things and like one new piece of info you get can like start to make you second guess the other stuff that, you know, it's pretty rock solid. So at a certain point, like too much info can be a little bit bad, honestly. I mean, I'll, I'll always collect as many data points as I can. Um, but I think having like a North star of sleep and sanity is definitely my choice, uh, at all times. <laughs> 
Yeah, nothing like touching some grass to give you some perspective. Exactly, man. Anything else you got, or is that about it? That's about it. Uh, you know, still four and a half hours until tip-off for game four here. So uh, pack up, get ready to head home for tomorrow, and then expecting a crazy one tonight here in Boston. Game three was so loud. The crowd was incredible. And after the Warriors reacted to how Boston's crowd was treating their players on a Friday night with a late start, I imagine it's going to be even wilder in the garden. I would agree. As someone who went to school in Boston, those people are insane (laughs) about their Celtics. Trey, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope to see you in person down the line soon and uh, keep doing your thing, man. it, It was great to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. This is really fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, man. Anything you want to plug, actually, before I let you go? Check out our YouTube channel or our podcast. Search No Dunks, basically, wherever there is internet content, and hopefully you'll be able to find us. All right. Sounds good, man. Everyone will be back next week, probably on Tuesday. Not sure exactly the timing or the guest. We'll figure it out. But enjoy the game tonight. Have a safe weekend. Take care. Talk to you later.